Breaking special, fresh hop cinema news. <laughs> Episode 100 is here, guys. That's right. We've collaborated with Secret Trail Brewing Company to make an awesome beer that we are going to name soon and tell you what it is when we figure it out. But until then, mark it on your calendars. November 17th at noon, we're tapping our beer. Max is going to be there. I'm going to be there. It's going to be a crazy party. Where's it at again? It's at Secret Trail Brewing, 132 Myers Street here in Chico. We're very excited to celebrate our 100th episode with our very own beer collaborating with Secret Trail Brewing Company. Again, November 17th, noon. Please come out. We hope to see you there. Here's the episode. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. We are a craft beer and movie podcast based in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. Yep, I'm Johnny. We're yes. S- still in Chico. Yeah, haven't still, changed. Nope. Nothing there. Still sexy, still drinking beer. Except this is the first day we've recorded without the AC unit in the studio. It's nice. Taking it out a little bit roomier. Got a little bit more elbow room. Fall is upon us. You can't tell, but there's like a good six inches behind you that you don't usually have. So if you ever just want to push away from the table... Yeah, you, you can do it. So now I can dramatically roll my chair back yeah. and be like, screw you, yeah. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, Done, I quit. Uh, aside from that, everything is business as usual. If you've never heard the show before, we cover two craft beers and a movie. Every episode, we come every week with new episodes. And uh, we're really stoked that you decided to listen in. Yeah. If it's your first time, thanks for coming. If you're a repeat listener, thanks for coming back. That's right. And also, happy Halloween. Halloween is in two whole days. Correct. This is our, is this our second or third Halloween? I think it's our third, man. Is it our third? I thought it was our second. Well, because we did, uh, no, it'd be our third. I'm I'm almost sure because we started in September, which means we had the first one. And then the second one. And then the second one. And now this will be it. Last year we did The Shining. Yeah. Or no. Did we? Last year we did House of a Thousand Corpses. You're right. First year we did The Shining. Shining. This year uh, we were so busy that we forgot this was our Halloween episode, so we're not specifically branding it as such. Well, it screws you up when Halloween falls on a Wednesday. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. It was just an oversight. Yeah, and it's like weird for our recording schedule too because yeah. it's like that's right around the time that we could be recording that day mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. So we'll probably talk some Halloween stuff later on, but this is not an officially branded Halloween episode, I suppose, I in guess. terms of content. Either way, Halloween's in two days. Happy yeah. Halloween. Happy Halloween. I'm not doing anything. Are you really not? No, I'm probably going to do some stuff this weekend. Yeah, you talked about a, a haunted corn maze. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, We're going to do that after we record tonight. Once Sweet. it gets dark and spooky. Yeah. They have really good spiced cider out there. Where is that? Uh, it's on Orland? the way in or on the way to Orland. Yeah. Yeah. It's out on Highway 32. I've it's, heard about that. Yeah. That country one. pumpkins. <clears throat> sure. Country so, pumpkins. Yeah. There's a giant pumpkin patch. So cool. you can like go buy a pumpkin and go through the corn maze during the day when it's not all scary and filled with people chasing you. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. So Very that's scary. I hope yeah. you have so much fun. It'd be good. Yeah. Uh, you want to jump into beer? Shall we? I would love to jump into beer. Excellent. Wouldn't that be cool? Actually, I think it'd be kind of gross, but you know. Depends on the size of the pool. Yeah, like a kid, even a kitty. That seems like a kitty pool full seems of beer. Like seems like a waste. Dirty. I don't want to drink beer off of myself. No. Oh, yeah. I didn't even assume drinking it. Oh, I would. I mean, would you jump? Oh, yeah. That's, you'd open your mouth. You have it. to. Yeah, you probably would. And that's like that old thing. Like, oh, jump in a pool full of pudding. Or like jello. Yeah. yeah. Jello. Like, yeah. That'd be so gross. Can't remember what age I realized that was a bad idea, but as a kid, I was like, "Wow, this would be so." Because Jello, you just add the mix to water, so yeah. theoretically, you, you could, could just buy enough Jello and throw it in, make a Although, giant pool of Jello. You do have to cool it to to make it solidify. You just have to do it in a pool in the winter. Correct. Like that'd be perfect. Yeah, 
Huh. Point is, at some point I was like, that's gross. But yeah. I don't know what age that was. Probably. Uh, yeah. It was like last Tuesday. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. This year, for sure. Definitely. Uh, yes, let's jump into, what's our first beer, yo? Right, so if you haven't listened before, uh, you don't know two things. One, that I play music for a living. And two, that I was just on tour. So I was in coming back from tour uh, on the way home, stopped in Salt Lake. And I picked up the beer we were about to drink, which is a uh, beer from Epic Brewing, which is out of Salt Lake City. Uh, it's called Spiral Jetty. It's an IPA. And we couldn't find a date on this bottle. So fingers crossed, it doesn't yeah, suck. It's tricky to, to know if it's super fresh uh, representation, representation of the style, but it's a six and a half percent IPA. Uh, and I'm going to read what I wrote or what I wrote. I did write it, I suppose, what I copied off their website. And uh, your face at the moment, not, notwithstanding. <clears throat> Spiral Jetty India Pale Ale is the launching point. This was in 2009 in their uh, series of hoppy IPA brews. It has an aggressive, apparently, hop profile with five different hops used here. Uh, two of them added in the dry hop phase, presenting citrus, floral, resinous, or pine aromas, and flavors typical of American hops, and a nice, pleasant, cleansing bitterness on the finish. The dominance of the hops helps to balance the complex malt flavors of the higher alcohol content. Spiral Jetty is their strongest ale in this classic series, again, at 6.5 or 6%, depending on the batch. Now, Johnny, of what I just read, uh, does any of it ring true with this particular bottle? Well, it's beer. Okay. So it's got that going for it. There's definitely hops in it uh, and malt. This beer, uh, my guess, would be very old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting that too. Very, very old. Uh, a strong, overwhelming slap in the face of wet cardboard. You get that little uh, bit of like metallic yeah. kind of maltiness too at the end. Yeah, this beer is uh, insulting my face holes right now. Yeah, that's a bummer because, I mean, Epic is, at least in my brain, known for making really good stouts. Like yeah. they have the Big Bad Baptista or the uh, Son of the Baptist, I think, is one of yeah. theirs. Um, and those are all, both like really, really terrific Imperial stouts. You know, I should have realized it before this, but they've changed all of their branding in the last like eight months. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And it doesn't look like this anymore. So yeah, I want to give, make, make sure I say that too. I did not actually get this at Epic. I, yeah. I think that might've been the implication. I got this at uh, what we talked about last week at the state. Uh, liquor. Oh store. yeah. The state ran little mm-hmm. cement building with booze in it. Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, this was found at a bottle shop and as always, you kind of run the risk of yeah. something sitting around for a little too long. Uh, this was a risk and, and uh, it's a miss. Yeah, a risk and a miss. That's the yeah. thing that happens. Something's a miss with this beer. Well, that's a bummer because, like I said, Epic has made some really good stuff, but I do think we have to judge this according to this particular bottle and not on their reputation. So Yeah, it sucks because we've done some of the newer stuff. If you remember the cans that we've done. Yeah, we They're did. They're really uh, pretty and yeah. new. And like we did like a New England style from them, I believe. Maybe. The one that I'm remembering is a uh, is a coffee stout that we did. and um, That was Son of SOB. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're the right. Red so and then black what is can. the one that I'm thinking of that's not the Mexican stout? Not the spiced one? Yeah. Because uh, that's Big Bad Baptista. Uh-huh. There's another one. Triple barrel? Triple barrel. That's yeah. it. Yeah, triple barrel. With like the Baptist. rum and coconut. And yeah. That beer. So that's a good. great beer too. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, so I'm thinking of Son of the Baptist. And even their their newer IPAs that are cranking out in six-pack cans and stuff, they're they're killer. So this shouldn't be a total deterrent from trying this brewery. Absolutely. I think we're both big fans. Uh, it is a big warning to you guys to don't buy IPAs without yeah. dates on them. I think that's an interesting trend too that we see more in the past couple of years of, of particularly craft breweries putting dates like for that reason they want they want their beers to be drank correctly and they want you to know that you're getting something fresh yeah it's important mm-hmm. and which is kind of surprising to me that i mean again this beer was originally made in 2009 and they still aren't putting 
I feel like bottling dates on it, which seems strange to me. Yeah. This but, beer tastes like it's from 2009. Yeah. Well, I'm still going to give the background that I found because Spiral Jetty is a thing. It's a cool story. It's a great story. And I did my research, so I'm going to share it. Do it. Um, so back in the 70s, this guy named Robert Smithson uh, made this work of art in Salt Lake. It's this big rock formation. It's a, it's a combination of like basalt and rock and all sorts of, uh, you know, earthly materials. And it's this giant spiral. It's like 1,500 feet. And it's huge. It's huge. Yeah, it's it's gigantic. In in 2017, actually, it was actually named Utah's official state work of art, which is amazing. Very cool. That's, I didn't get a chance to see it when I was there. But. I, now I want to Google every state's state piece of art. Right. I didn't know that no. they all had one. No, me neither. But kind of neat. If you, it's amazing how much stuff every state has one of. Yeah. Did you know that? Like, Ooh, there's, there's everything. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. a state song. Mm-hmm. Tell oh, me, yeah, that's a. Tell yeah. me more about Spiral Jetty. Well, so. It, it was all fine and good, but this guy, Robert Smithson, passed away um, several years after creating this work of art, and it was actually brought under the wing of a place called the Dia Art Foundation out of New York, and their whole goal is to preserve art, uh, or at least in this case, of, of a deceased artist. And Epic Brewing came under fire for using an image that they took. It was there. They hired a photographer, apparently bought the rights to the photo um, for the Spiral Jetty to use it as their... Uh, as their logo and for the namesake of their beer. Hmm. And when they came out with this beer in 2009, there uh, there was this dispute between them and Dia Art Foundation. And basically the foundation's stance was, uh, I have a quote here actually. They said the foundation would want to have any images of the Spiral Jetty licensed to be sure the artist's vision for the artwork remains in whatever reproductions are made. Uh, they just essentially want to protect the integrity of the work, um, which sort of makes sense. But from from a beer perspective, like they're not, this isn't a commentary or anything that could besmirge the imagery here, I think. No, if anything, it's going to get more people to look up this piece totally. of art. Yeah. Because I don't think I would have ever seen it. Right. It's pretty cool. It's so worth, It's worth looking at. Yeah, so David Cole, the co-owner of Epic, said, uh, quote, It's not like we used a sketch that Smithson made. Uh, we used a photographer and bought the rights to the photograph. It's perfectly legal. Um, and apparently the uh, foundation was very slow to act. And he said it's because I think they're trying to figure out what to do. I think that it becomes probably an issue of like free use and totally. kind of public domain. Because when you create a piece of art on that scale that's in a public environment, can mm-hmm. you really claim that you, no one can have an image of it? It's it's a tricky thing, man. Copyright law is very weird. Yeah. Like, like dealing with music even, it's very strange. Yeah, and like that, uh, that piece of art would have almost had to have been on like a piece of private property. Yeah, you would think. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Like if it's on public land, unless it's like sanctioned off that like you can't photograph it that's weird man yeah and just to like reiterate the scope of this i mean this thing is 1500 feet long it's It's huge 15 feet wide like it's you can see it from very high up and that's what a lot of if you look it up online the spiral jetty tons of photographs from like airplanes yeah and it still looks ginormous better looks cool on google earth yeah yeah we should find that at some point that'd be cool yeah why not um anyways i i got all this from uh from a two uh march 15th of 2011 uh, it came out in the Salt Lake Tribune. So if you guys want to read more, there's uh, some more history about Epic getting into some legal trouble with copyright stuff from, I believe it was a a coffee stout they did, um, <laughs> naming it after some somebody pretty predominant in the Mormon church. Mm. I think, don't quote me on that. It could be totally wrong. That's but pretty funny. If I am correct in remembering, that's in the article as well. You can learn some more stuff about Epic. Talk about making Mormons angry. Yeah, but their whole stance is it's like beer and coffee. We're not trying to offend anybody yet, yeah. right? Um, we're just trying to like you know, a make good beer and then two or b uh, make it socially kind of relevant to where we are. Like put our stamp of Salt Lake, yeah, on our beers. That's not a crazy thing. Like breweries do that all the time, pretty much. Yeah. 
So it's interesting. All in all, uh, it's a maybe, cool story. Maybe fresh. This is very good. But no, do they still make this beer? As far as I know, yeah, current. it's on their website now. Everything is current. So I'm my guess is we just got a bad batch or an old or an old batch. Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah. All right. So along those lines, I'm going to give this a three and a half. Yeah, it's it's a point five. Oh, it's that no, because because are are you not going to be able to drink this? No, you're, just, you're not going to touch it. Mm-mm. Okay, well, no, right. that's a drain pour. Right. Unfortunately, it's not the brewery's fault. It's the bottle shop mm-hmm. that sold a super mm-hmm. old beer to you. Yeah, so you should call them. Yeah, I might. I actually did. So I called Epic today, preparing these notes. Oh yeah, because because the internet was kind of sketchy on when this was first made. Yeah, because you have some of these situations like the articles where there's legal things, and they're like, well, yeah, like 2010, 11, nine, and I wanted to make sure I had the right answer, so I called the tap room. And I, uh, I was like, hey, this is a weird question, but could you tell me when you guys first made Spiral Jetty? And number one, the gal that answered wasn't like, Spiral Jetty, we don't serve that beer. She was like, okay, yes, let me go find out. And nice. it was 2009. And you got to think that like a beer that's been being made for as long as it has, has got to be well enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. So It's one of their more like go-to IPAs. Yeah, so I'm going to stick with a 3.5 because I am going to drink this. It's not quite as... Um, uh, I love that you just shoved your glass towards me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite as off-putting to me as it is to you. That's icky, bro. Yeah, you're sticking with a point five. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a hard pass yeah. for me. Fair enough, man. What are you gonna do though? Yeah. Also, you should have recorded that call to the brewery. Yeah, it was a really quick call, but in the future, you're that right. means it wouldn't have taken much time on the Would've show. Would have been a good point to just like drop it in and be like, "This is what they said it was." Yeah. Beep. Yeah. This is the part the portion of our show where we talk about production notes, right? So, again, that's Spiral Jetty from Epic Brewing. If you guys get a chance to drink it and want to let us know what you think, find us on social media. We're at Fresh Hop Cinema on almost everything. This is one of those weeks where, like, I don't know if I should tag the brewery in our pictures. I'm going to tag because, again, like, I'm not blaming the brewery. We're, we're not blaming the brewery. Yeah. It's, like, it's just a, it's a mishandling of their product. It's always fun, though. Like, um, sometimes, like, if there's a beer that I don't like and, like, I'm really obvious about it on the podcast and I tag them on social media and then they go on and like the picture. I always yeah, feel like, like, oh, that's sweet, but you mm-hmm. didn't listen. No, not at all. And I mean, I didn't expect you to. They're just like, yay, free press. Right. So. Which is, yeah. Also, if you're a brewery listening to any of our episodes, feel free to reshare this. That'd be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, we're into that. Okay, moving on. Yes. Moving on up. To our hot and bothered segment. Every week we talk about something that's got us either hot or fired up or excited or bothered, which is the opposite of all that. So bummed out or mad or whatever. Or sometimes both. Yeah, right. Sometimes neither. Right. Sometimes we just skip Sometimes it. we're just seriously neutral. Yeah, but I don't think that's the case this week. No. What do you got, man? Uh, there's been things happening, some good, some bad, some scary, some adventurous. In your not, personal life? Yeah. Okay. No, just in the world. Sure. In general. Yeah. Don't check your mail. Do not check your mail? <laughs> no. Why is that? You listen to the news? No. I have uh, not today or no, this week. Like, oh my God, really? Dude, somebody sent out a ton of... Like mail bombs to oh. like senators and stuff. It's like anthrax again. Yeah, but they're actually like bombs in little boxes. None Eesh. of them have blown up, but like they sent Obama one. They sent like a oh, bunch bummer. of It's been crazy. They sent Robert De Niro some crazy something. He just said something pretty political, I think. I think he was yeah. interviewed. I can't remember what it was, but I heard something about him being, maybe he was on up first. Yeah. Another podcast it's, it's, we talk about. Dude, it's been crazy. Yeah. Well, that sucks. Done. And it, like it's super politically motivated and we're not going to get into that because this isn't a political podcast, but it's sure. just but current events are important. <sighs> it's, it's a weird time. Man. I read something about a, like a van bomb today. Did you see that? Mm-mm. I don't, I don't, I won't comment cause I don't know, but I saw like somebody, uh, it did not detonate, but somebody drove a van like plastered in 
political type stickers. I did see the picture of the van. Yeah, right. I think that was the same. I think that was the person that was been mailing these. That was their van. Yeah, okay, so it's like a whole thing. I, that's kind of, I just read brief the headline. Mm-hmm. It's like right before I came over here, but they said like that was the the bomber's van. Yeah. So sure. I don't know if it was a separate thing or if that's the dude that's been mailing stuff out, but yeah. Yeah, political extremes getting pushed to the point of mailing people bombs, which is never cool. No. On the opposite end of that spectrum, I saw a photo of two people holding uh yard signs. Uh you know the ones you like hammer in. You know what a yard sign is, right? Political yard signs. Oh yeah, yeah. Um and one was um Ted Cruz, it was like a Ted Cruz sign. Mm-hmm. And the other was um it might have been Beto O'Rourke, I can't remember. But it was two opposite political figures held by two people who are friends, they're smiling. Mm-hmm. And the whole post was about like our ability to have good relationships with people is so much more important than our political views. Yes. Just be humans first and then yeah. deal with the rest. So I thought that was nice. Just be nice first. Yeah. Like you can disagree and still be fine for the most part. Yeah. You shouldn't have any belief that you hold so seriously. You dislike another person just because they have a different belief. Again, for the most part, like if, again, like yes. you're dealing with like racism. Yeah. Like that's just like pretty general, hard line, but like, like yes. Republican Democrat. Yeah. Stuff. It's like, let's yeah. just be friends. Be people. Come on now. Let's so. hug it out. Let's hug it out. But what do you have particularly? Oh, yeah, yeah, Sorry. That was a rant on no, the was good. Rant. That was good. That was good. Yeah. So last weekend was Sierra Nevada's Single Fresh Wet and Wild Hop Harvest Festival. If you're not familiar with this festival, it is a biannual. That's when they do it every other year, right? No. Bi- bi- well, yeah. Well, because, yeah, I guess you're right, technically. What is it when it's when it's twice a year? Biannual also? Because like, if you get a biweekly check, that's every two weeks. Yeah. So what is it? If it's I'm, hmm. bi bi weekly every two weeks, so yeah, bi so, annually yeah, would be yeah, every two years. I'm just trying to figure out what what twice a year twice a year would be. Yeah, is there a word for that? There must be, and I'm just missing it right now. There might be. I'm in not that mode. I guess I don't know. All right, not the point. Sorry for. Anyways, nothing. it's an every other year festival, and so the last one they did was in 2016, uh, and it was the first one I had attended in 2016, and it quickly became the f- best, my favorite, the coolest beer fest I've ever been to. They have breweries from all over the country bringing uh, fresh hop varietals and special beers that are made just for this festival. It's a festival of all things hop related. And you, it's at the end of the harvest time, so you get all these beers that have been made with sometimes within the last couple of weeks. So it's a really great festival. So this year, the festival was last Saturday. Um, VIP admission was at noon. Regular admission was at 10. Or one, I'm sorry. Ten, yes. Yeah. And it's supposed to go from noon till five. So VIPs get noon till five. Regular admission gets one till five. Um, it seemed to me that they sold a lot more tickets and didn't bring any more beer, perhaps. Right. Or maybe even limited people on as far as how much beer they could bring. There's a lot of rumors flying around right now. If you're on any sort of social media, I'm sure you've seen some of the fallout and backlash. Because they, when I say they, I mean all the breweries mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. ran out of beer yeah. within the first two hours. That's wild. I've never seen anything like it at any brew fest in my life. So we got in at one because I got there a little bit early and stood in line. But the general admission didn't get all of them in until like two almost. Wow. And by then, breweries were already starting to run out of beer. That's crazy. Uh, by 2.30 ish three o'clock ish there was a mass exodus of breweries taking their empty kegs and their jockey boxes it was insane yeah and then like the maybe six or seven breweries that still had beer had like 500 people in line that's crazy because they sold three thousand tickets 
So then, and this isn't like a thing that is like a five dollar ticket, right? No, it was sixteen. It was sixty bucks to get in. Yeah, it's like a, it's a fair chunk of change that if you're if you get to go and try beers for two hours out of five, like you're gonna be not super happy. Yeah. Yep, and it was it was real crowded, and I'm not gonna say for sure that breweries were limited on bringing not enough beer because they don't have hard facts on that, but that is the the scuttlebutt. Why would that be a thing? <sighs> Bad call by Sierra Nevada. Yeah. Or whoever, I mean, it's got to be Sierra Nevada's call. As yeah, far I mean, as so event. Yeah, there's no way around it. It's just a bad call by somebody mm-hmm. to say this is how much beer we should bring. Just a gross miscalculation. Just a gross men miscalculation. Yes. Oh, sorry. That uh, was clever. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I wonder how much of that is like legal stuff. Probably not much. But no, like, none. Okay. Not at all. Yeah. No, there's no limit on how much beer you can bring. Like it's encouraged to bring a little bit extra. It's a lot sure. better look to have a brewery take some beer back with them than to run out. Yeah. Especially when all your breweries are running out. So I saw some of this on social media also. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of friends went. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a silver lining here kind of, right? Oh, yeah. The refunds. The refunds. Yeah. Only Brewfest I've ever been to where there's a giant line to get a refund when you're leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have been very upset if I stood in that line because the next, no, not even the next day. That night, yeah. I got an email. Mm-hmm. So they formed this big line and they were scanning tickets. I think maybe just because they forgot that emails were a thing. Right. But yeah, the line to get out of there and get the refund was over an hour. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, you know, I mean, on the fly, I think that's a really bold move. Like that's really um, upstanding of them to be like, all right, we'll give you your money back. Obviously yeah. this didn't go well. It was a nice gesture. Yeah. Um, but they maybe should have announced that they would be sending emails. Wasn't it you- a half refund also? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, clear that up. You got 50% of your your money back. Which is still pretty good. Yeah, it's not the worst. Um, I did the math and with the, they were tasting glasses these size. This is actually a glass from last year's festival. I don't know how big these are. Uh, These are like four. Yeah, four or five. Something like a double shot. And they were filling it less than that. You know, I was getting about about two ounces of beer. Yeah. So I did the math and uh, because we left so early because there was no more beer or insane lines, um, I got about two pints. Okay, well, $30 pint. That's cool. $60 pint, and then I got half my ticket back. Oh, right, sure. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, uh, not ideal. No, but again, so, like, this is a fairly new thing. What's or that? Isn't, isn't no, the this is the fresh? fourth time they've done it. That's fairly new. You know, yeah. it's not something like Oktoberfest that's been going on for Yeah, but I mean, they do it every other year, so it's been going on for a long time, mm. just biannually. Right. Um, they have done it so well in the past that this has never been a problem before. Sure. So for this all of a sudden to be a huge issue was pretty uh, catastrophic and it definitely left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Fair. And my hope personally as a consumer that loves this festival is that they don't wait two years. Cause if you wait two yeah. years to do it again, mm-hmm. so many people are going to be burnt and like not want to buy tickets. Like yeah. you have to do this again next year and maybe like, charge half for tickets yeah man just in good faith yeah just cut the ticket price down or like include like a free meal or something yeah like Oktoberfest style. yeah that's funny I, Gian and I were out uh where I don't know where we were we were doing some errands that morning and then by right around that time like one or two maybe three uh we were like oh we'll just stop for a beer and whatever we went initially uh a couple plugs I suppose went to the Chico Tap Room mm-hmm. down off uh off Mangrove Pillsbury uh, Pillsbury is where it's on, yeah. And they were closed. I think it might have been for that event. Like, Yeah, like they posted it on their uh, Instagram. Oh, they okay. all closed down for employee appreciation. Love it. So we didn't go there. And then we were going to go to um, Secret Trail. Mm-hmm. It was their one-year anniversary. Um, and it was so slammed. Yeah. And I'm realizing, like, 
Um, if it was three o'clock, it's because partially, yeah, because yep. like like they were doing like a big parking lot thing, like they do for some of their events, um, which is always packed. Like people mm-hmm. love it there, um, but it was like crazy packed. Um, and I realize now that it's because of a lot of people probably just flooded over. Yeah, but awesome. Like they had plenty of beer. They didn't. Run they didn't out. run and out. People got to drink beer there anyways. Yeah, love that. I love that. There's like two really awesome craft breweries within a stone's throw of each other. Yeah. Great. great yeah and then a lot of people went to the goose i know the owners of moxa brought some special kegs up oh nice and they had a tap take over Mm -hmm. there and then also i went to sierra market the little gas Mm -hmm. or the little convenience store in our neighborhood and dude he got slammed that day yeah everybody walked there and like got a bunch of beer and had their own party yeah so all in all it was kind of a bummer but i mean it was still fun yeah i saw people that i haven't seen in a long time uh, it was a super fun social event. Uh, I just wish it would have gone the full time. Sure. I would have loved to drink more. But yeah, all in all, it was fun, but still kind of a got me bothered. Yeah, bummer. Fair enough. What about you? I just got a quick one. Um, I think I plugged it last last episode, but I played at Argus this past Thursday. Yeah. Uh, with a full band. I played with uh, my buddy Rob on drums, Josh, who I went on tour with on piano. Nice. And my friend Gavin on bass. And decided this time around to not play any uh, you know, what, what the people want to hear necessarily. Yeah. We do a lot of like goofy covers there a lot of the time. And and this week I was like, no, I'm just going to play a bunch of original songs and like a bunch of just singer songwriter, heartbreaky kind of songs. Stuff that you want to play. Yeah. And we did it and did the crap out of it. And it was, it was a little bit of a mellower night, but I had a blast. Do you have a good response from the crowd? I think so. Yeah. And nobody booed us. Well, that's is, good. Yeah. Nobody threw a tomato. Right. None of that. That's good. So. That's got to feel yeah. good uh, as an artist, just being kind of true to yourself. Yeah, man. Every now and again, it's just like, I'm not going to, then, yeah, yeah, it's good. Just grasping firmly the control. Yeah. And just be like, I even said at the beginning, I was like, this is this is how the night's going. You know, this is going to mm-hmm. be a slow song and that's the rest of the night. So if I you're not it. into that, you can leave. I didn't say that part, but that's what I implied. I love it. So. Yep. Anyways, that's, that's what's got me hot. That's what's got you bothered. Yeah. Uh, and then let's, I don't know, you want to jump to break? Sure. Come back, talk about the Sisters Brothers a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we didn't mention this in the beginning, but we will not be spoiling this movie just yet. No. Oh, I did want to mention, too, you might be playing at Secret Trail. You heard at the beginning of the show with that big announcement that we made uh, for our 100th anniversary. 100th anniversary. 100th, yeah, <laughs> we're sure, 100 sure, years, we're 100 old, years guys. old, No, you know, you heard at the top. We're having that big party, and Max might be playing some songs yeah. that day at Secret Trail outside. Yeah. So that, yeah, that could be fun. If you weren't going to come just to, you know, support the podcast and drink a good beer, come to support my music. I don't know. Do both. Yeah. And we're going to plug the crap out of that party for the next three weeks. Yeah, so we we'll get used to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll have more details on that as it begins to unfold. But in the meantime, again, we're going to take a short break. Come back, talk about the Sisters Brothers without spoiling it. So please stick around. Guys, if you've heard this show before, you know this. But if you haven't, I'm going to let you know now. Secret Trail Brewing has a beer, a new beer, every single Monday as part of their Explorer series. That's where they make a brand new beer, release it for a limited time only. And this week, Johnny, what is their beer? It's called You Got Peanut Butter on My Baltic. And it is an 8% peanut butter Baltic porter. They are open from 3 to 9 every Monday. Again, this is like a one-off beer. There's a good chance you'll never taste it again. They have amazing beers at Secret Trail. We really recommend you go check them out, especially on Monday. Go check out the Explorer series. They're at 132 Meyer Street. And if you want to check them out on social media... You should check them out at Secret Trail Brew Co. You should also come there on the 17th for our 100th anniversary. hey Because we're 100 years old. (laughs) Until then, live and drink off the beaten path.
It's 1851, and Charlie and Eli's sisters are both brothers and assassins, boys grown to men in a savage and hostile world. The sisters' brothers find themselves on a journey through the Northwest, bringing them to the mountains of Oregon, a dangerous brothel in a small town of Mayfield, and eventually the gold rush land of California, an adventure that tests the deadly family ties that bind. You're correct. That is the trailer for the sisters' brothers, a film by Jacques Audiard, written by himself and Thomas Bidegain, based on the novel by Patrick DeWitt, starring John C. Riley, Joaquin Phoenix, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Riz Ahmed. Johnny. What's up? What did you think of this movie? I liked a lot about it. It was uh, an interesting story. Uh, this movie kind of avoided over-explaining the plot and just kind of let you take it in visually and follow along, which is nice. I hate movies that get a little bit too over-narrative, especially to stories that don't really need it. I loved the acting by a couple of people in this movie. There was some outstanding performances. Uh, visually, it was very nice to look at. I loved the cinematography. A lot of the scenery was just astoundingly beautiful. I feel that way about a lot of Westerns, though, and anything set in more rural environments. And I hate that word. It's so hard to say, it right? sucks. Rural. Yeah. Like, yeah. I have a hard time with words anyway, man. Fair. So throw Fair. rural at me. End up sounding like a dog. Rural. 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 Yeah. rural. Um, <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I like this movie a lot. Um, overall, it was a very enjoyable film. Joaquin Phoenix is just a great actor. Oh, we're going to disagree on this. I didn't say it was good in this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was implied. Yeah. No, he's a great actor. You didn't let me finish. Sorry. And this wasn't his best work. Okay. Yeah. But he is a great actor. Yeah, so this film came out on September 21st of 2018. It runs two hours even, rated R for some intense violence throughout and some suggestive language. Yeah, they kill a lot of people. Yeah, as Johnny said, this is a Western. Um, as of October 25th, it's made $2.4 million. Uh, that's just in the United States. Mm. And I share some of your sentiment here. I think 
Um, you don't have a good Western without some really great like horseback riding across the open plains kind of shots. Yeah. And I think that the shots in this movie of that are very well done. I also think there are good performances. Um, I do not think Joaquin's Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix's character has a great arc, nor do I think his portrayal of that character is particularly good. He was probably one of the more one dimensional characters. Yeah. So I don't know if it's, if it's just the, uh, the actor or if it's, uh, if, if it's just the character he had to work with. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to explore that a little bit, but I would love to start with some stuff that maybe you really enjoyed about this movie and maybe some things you didn't. Yeah. I really liked John C. Riley, and I was very surprised that I did. It really took me a solid like 10 minutes of him on screen to get over the fact that it was John C. Riley. Isn't that always the case? Remember him in King Kong? Yeah. Same and thing. even then he, that character was still kind of silly yeah. and eccentric and blah. Yeah. So for him to be legitimately in a serious role and have to do some acting, I was very impressed. I really liked seeing another mm-hmm. side of him. Uh, also Jake Gyllenhaal stood out to me in this movie. I think he felt to me like he fit into this time period. His accent kind of bugged me a little bit. Weird accent, right? Weird. Like I couldn't peg it. It's and it, not. Yeah. Like, it seemed like it kept changing. Yeah. A little bit. So not, that, yeah, that was kind of a pet peeve. Mm-hmm. Um, but his overall persona and just like the way he looked, his costume, um, it felt like it really was just in this world. Like I kind of forgot in a couple of scenes that it was Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. Uh, also the costume design on this movie. Yeah. I loved it. Everyone's clothes were so cool. Yeah, I think before we say too much more, we should establish what everybody is in this movie. Um, as you may have gathered, well, people, man, sure. The uh, the sisters brothers uh, are played by John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. They play uh, Eli and Charlie, respectively. You already said that. Uh, and they're these two brothers, right? That become uh, assassins. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they've grown up their whole whole life being that, and they're very good at what they do. Um, and they're employed by this guy named the Commodore. Yeah, we never really see at no. the beginning of the movie. He, he's an off-screen presence that kind of just gives figure. them jobs. He's like, all right, go kill these people, and yeah. I'll pay you. Um, and then there's a particular fellow named Herman Hermit Kerman Warm, yep. which I knew I was going to mess up, and that's played by uh, Riz Ahmed. Yeah. And he is a guy who allegedly has stolen something from the Commodore and needs to be chased down and killed, yes. or at least get that information back. It was devastating to me how similar that dude looked to Andrew. Who's Andrew? From the Goose, Sierra Nevada. Weird, right? Look, I actually literally, I was thinking that too. I don't even know Andrew that well, but I was looking at him and I was like, who does this guy remind me of? And like, like halfway through, that's very funny that you said that. I was like, if Andrew had a mustache, he could have been in this movie. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, very funny. Yeah. Um, the only other person of note, like you said, is Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays a guy named John Morris. And he's sort of this third party that is also hired by the Commodore to kind of track down Warm. Yeah. So basically, what was happening is Gyllenhaal was tracking down. Um, what was his name? Warm. R- warm. Warm. Yeah, warm. W a r m. Yeah. They said in the, I was like, I'm gonna call warm? him Hermit. Yeah. Sure. And tracking down Hermit, and yeah. he's basically like a scout tracker type character, but he won't actually kill him. John Morris is. Yeah. Yeah. So his role is to track him down, follow him, trying to get him to stay in one place, while the sisters brothers catch up, and right. they will do the dirty work. Yes. Exactly. Um. So I think that's that's the groundwork I wanted to lay. Yeah, and um, the whole plot was kind of loose and big and vague. You know what I mean? Like it yeah, was all I just mean, it's, yeah, going like find this guy. Yeah, and the movie essentially takes place. It's not like we're just spending time with with John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. It's got these two different narratives, and it's basically the two of them, and then it's John Morris and Hermit mm-hmm. uh, kind of doing their thing. Yeah, and they um, start out adversarial. Correct, and I and and without giving too much away here, because again, we're not spoiling this movie yet. Um, there's uh there's there's themes throughout this movie like you have your two main characters who 
who I think Adiard, the director, does his best to, to uh, warm us up to. Um, of the two that I feel more compassionate towards, it's obviously John C. Riley's character. Yeah. Um, he's a little bit more in touch with his emotions and and deals with sort of the guilt of their job. And also, he he seemed to be much more well-intentioned. Yeah, like Joaquin Phoenix has a has a pretty big drinking problem and- um, Way more callous. Yeah, kind of deals with what he does in that sense and is definitely taken care of by his older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my general takeaways from this, again, like- very lovely to look at. Some great shots riding horses. Um, I really enjoyed Hermit, played by Riz Ahmed. I love that character a lot. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, I wanted more of. I agree with you on the accent stuff. Kind yeah. of kind of weird. Yeah. Um, didn't feel fully fleshed out as far as like what he was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love that. And I, uh, were his character arc more well-developed, I think I would have connected better. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix, I did not even care a little bit for in this film. He was just um, kind of in it. Yeah, especially by the end, like you're, it's sort of framed as him dealing with his internal demons. Then by the end, you hope that gets resolved, and I don't think it does. Not really. Um, and that's that was kind of the central conflict for me. So when that was sort of left hanging in a way, yeah, um, I was very dissatisfed. I think it. Well, we'll get more into that in the danger zone because yeah. that gets a little spoilery. Uh, but I think that wasn't the main conflict of the movie. I think it was more of the conflict of Joaquin Phoenix's character's arc. Yeah, but in some sense, you can make the argument like, like who's this movie about? It was about John C. Riley. Oh, interesting. I would say it's about both of them, but no, I think I never it, looked I, at it that way. In my head, he's the central character, hmm. and if you go back and look at all of the other characters' story arcs, they all revolved around him. Sure. Okay. He, he yeah. interacted with every other character in this movie, pretty much in every scene. Um, yeah. You know, there point. was no one-on-one time with Joaquin Phoenix and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. So um, that's my takeaway from this movie. Interesting. That kind of changes my perspective a little bit. That's. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes more sense too. Uh, interesting. Okay. Then he had the most emotional depth. For, oh, for sure. And yeah. Like, I, he was just an endearing character. I really liked him in this movie. Yeah. It, it, I felt for him. There's a there's a scene with a spider oh. that I thought was kind of played as a joke, but it actually becomes a little bit more um, important. Yeah. Um, and sort of setting this uh, this tension between the brothers a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought like that. that's a very easy way for people to like see John C. Riley in the slapstick comedy role. Yeah. And I think that this was directed and acted well enough by him that um, it did not feel that way. And it very could have, could very easily gone that way. Oh yeah. And I'm glad it didn't. Yeah. Um, fun fact about me. I hate, excuse me, burps and I hate movie mm-hmm. trailers and I yeah. didn't even read a synopsis about this movie. Oh, okay. You said the two movies, we bounce ideas off each sure. other and you texted me a couple ideas and, before I looked at what was playing, I just looked at the posters for those two, mm. and I just saw who was in it, and that it was a Western, and I'm like, screw it. I like both those guys. Let's roll the dice. Yeah. Am, am I correct in remembering that our last Western was the, um, not the Seven Samurai, the movie that was based off of, uh, what the heck's it called? Seven Samurai? Yeah, it's an old Japanese film that a film with Denzel and Chris oh, the, Pratt. Oh, the, the Magnificent Seven. Yes, that. Is I that our last Western? there was one since then. Or can you call the writer a Western? Not really. Not really. I think that was it. I could be wrong, but we thought, and and that movie was bad, but fine to watch. It was entertaining. This is better than that. Yes. So, I'd be curious. I thought there was another western in there somewhere. There might be. I mean, we've almost done a hundred episodes. Yeah, it's crazy. So you never come know. party with us a secret trail. No big deal. Hey what? Yo. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I like this movie a lot. I forget what we were talking about before that. Oh, no trailers. So yeah, I just went right. in and I'm really happy it didn't get slapsticky. And honestly, I'm really impressed for 
John C. Riley to take a role like this. Yeah. Because if you look at his resume, this is a risk. Mm-hmm. This is not his wheelhouse. Also, like Joaquin Phoenix teaming up with John C. Riley, right? Who is who, uh, Phoenix being a traditionally pretty serious actor? Yeah. Uh, serious by I mean tone of film. Yeah. Not that more of a dramatic, like classical correct. actor. Yeah. Whereas John C. Riley is definitely more physical yeah, comedy, comedy. Sure. You know. Uh, Step Brothers type things. Yeah, you know. Um, a couple other things I want to note before we uh, get into spoiler territories, like, and, and some of this changes when I don't think of Phoenix as the central character, um, but some of it doesn't matter. Like this idea of reconciliation throughout, mm-hmm. um, like you have this lifetime of bad deeds. Yeah. Um, and and ideally, like your goal would be to kind of make peace with that mm-hmm. and, and find that peace through some good deed. Yeah. And, and that doesn't happen here. And that's kind of, that's that's more Joaquin Phoenix's story arc, for exactly. sure. For sure, yeah. But in my take on this movie, the the main, like when it comes to that type of thing, Joaquin Phoenix's character looking for reconciliation, uh, John C. Riley's character is always just looking to take care of his brother. For sure, yeah. You it know? totally changes when I think of it that way. Yeah. Um, but since what I wrote down in pen yeah. is before I thought of that or before you introduced me to it, um, the only other thing I wanted to say in that vein is like, I, I wish there were more of, of Joaquin Phoenix's backstory. Like you have this idea that he has this traumatic upbringing and that's eventually kind of revealed in some exposition from John C. Riley about their dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really get that fleshed out in terms of Joaquin Phoenix dealing with it, except in these like nightmare sequences. Yeah. And that felt lazy to me. Like there are these very abstract scenes of like, there's one where his dad is chopping let's say wood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he wakes up like in a sweat kind of thing. And yeah. I, I don't know. It felt, it felt lazy to me. I don't know. It seemed like they were trying to portray him as just this kind of villainous, dark shadowy type character. Hmm. And that lack of exposition kind of lent itself to the whole feel of the plot, not being overly narrated. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, he's a messed up dude that had right. a terrible childhood and right. is now a bad guy that's kills people. Yeah. So, I, I get the lack of, uh, you know, narration on his, his backstory, sure. but right. it, it kind of fit the tone of the movie for me, though, to leave that open-ended. Yeah. Yeah, so. fair enough, man. I think it's a good, it's good, good point you make. Yeah, I try. Yeah. You know, uh, is there anything else you want to say about this film without spoiling it, or do you want to save the rest for spoiler territory? Um, you know, I would just generalize by saying I think it's a worthwhile film to see. I really, I did enjoy it. It surprised me in a lot of ways and it was, it was very entertaining. And if you're a John C. Riley fan, you should check it out and maybe see what a real movie looks like. Yeah. Fair. Uh, do you want to give it a rating out of 10? Uh, eight. An eight. Yeah. I really liked it. It was a solid Western. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go 7.5. Um, pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit more, um, internally, uh, examinable as, as opposed to like a I don't want to say a traditional Western, but like just a shoot 'em up thing, like the yeah. Magnificent Seven, Eight, Six. What is it? Seven? Seven. Yeah. Um, which is nice. I, I like seeing some of this more. Like there's a great um, scene in a brothel, like we mentioned in the in the description here, um, where you get to see this kind of side of John C. Riley, where he talks about having the shawl that was given to him by somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was very touching as well. Yeah. And then he's kind of taken out of that moment um, and then has to deal with his brother again. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is good. Seven five for me. I like it. I'd see it again. I would like to watch it again and take in a little bit more. And I'd like to get your take if you rewatch it. Yeah, thinking more of John C. Riley as the central character. I guess my only other thing is, and, and maybe you disagree, but this felt too long, or maybe it was the pacing of it. Like the pacing was weird. It was very slow, and and I remember an hour in being like, 
man, this has got to be almost over. I took like a three minute power nap in the brothel scene because oh, really? it was just, it was, it, <laughs> there were definitely, I mean, it was after work and I was a little, yeah, little sure. drowsy, but um, that's really the biggest flaw. I'm glad you brought it up because I had kind of forgotten about that. Yeah. The the pacing it's, and yeah. it just felt draggy. I, I think part of it can be because you have these two different timelines, not timelines, but narratives. Yeah. And like they did so many jumps between them at first. It was, it was almost, A, it was hard to keep track of. I feel like I was using more brain power to like, all right, where are they now? Yeah, who's this again? Who's this again? Yeah. yeah. And and like that all happens in the first half of the movie, but it's very taxing on, on my uh, attention span, I yeah. think. And then the storylines merge. Um, yeah, right. And then it becomes a lot easier to follow. But that's what um, I was kind of alluding to, talking about just the lack of narration. That right. whole beginning part, it's you know explaining a lot of stuff just through actions on yeah, screen, right, but right. it's hard to follow. Like a little bit more narration might have been nice just it's, to help you through those yeah. plot, just back and forth and back and forth. But I like that it didn't, but you're right. It definitely required a ton of focus. Right. It's tricky for me because... Because to me, the strongest part of this movie is the is the the, the middle third, the second third, right? Mm-hmm. It's when it's when these four characters finally meet up. The second act, the second act, I suppose. Yeah, um, and, and and like if you're making the point that this, not you, but if the movie is making the point that this is about these characters and less about the action around them, then like when you finally get to see them doing their thing, it's the strongest. And I feel like the momentum building up to that was way too slow. And the payoff at the end was not enough for me to think it was all worth it. Mm. Uh, so that that was that was my biggest thing. Makes sense, I think overall. Okay, yeah, and I agree completely. It could have been a bit differently paced. Yeah, would have made it kind of a more pleasant viewing experience to have it either a bit more quicker paced or just edited down a little. Yeah. But then you lose some of the scenery. Sure, it's hard, man. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, okay, so I'm good as far as talking about this without spoilers. How about you? Yeah, let's take a break, uh, jump into our second and final beer, and then we will get into the danger zone where we will be spoiling Sisters Brothers. Every week, me and the missus go out for date night, and this week we went to one of my favorite places to eat because I was craving their Serrano chicken sandwich with some vegan cheese. I'm talking about the Handlebar right here in Chico, California. That's right. It is a great date spot, and they have a happy hour every day of the week from 2 to 6 p.m., which gets you a dollar off their draft beer list. So pair something with that Serrano chicken sandwich. Get yourself a great deal. Again, that's the Handlebar right here in Chico, located at 2070 East 20th Street. Go check them out. They're a fantastic local business. Welcome to the Danger Zone. Johnny, here's one question I have for you. Mm. Can you give me one word that rhymes with plurblissa? Melissa. Oh, Melissa. Dang it. That's right. What yeah. is? What made you think of that? This delicious beer. Wait, this one that we have right here? And your tasty puns and your obviously <laughs> sexual wordplay? Sure. sure you sure, know sure, it gets sure. me going. What? Uh, what is Melissa? Melissa. In the context of this conversation. It's a classic song by the Allman Brothers. Oh. Purely instrumental piece. Okay. It's beautiful. Wait, no, that's Jessica. Melissa has oh, lyrics. Oh, I thought you were. It's not instrumental. Dang it, man. They just wrote so many songs about chicks. Sure. But. Beer. This beer is maybe about a chick named Melissa. You never know. It's named Melissa. It's a beer from a brewery called Propolis. And they're out of Port Townsend, Washington. West Coast boys right here. This beer is a Saison brewed with lemon balm. Do you want to know a little bit about this brewery? I would love that. So they were established in June of 2012. They're they're relatively new. Uh, and they have a real strong emphasis on using old 
world styles, like Gruits. Like a golden saison. Oh, you mean brewing style. Yeah, like, like super old equipment. school styles. They love bringing those back. Um, and also they're super heavily influenced by uh, the Belgian and French style of saisons and mixed culture. For, uh, not, I'm sorry, France and Belgium. Oh, sure. What did I say? I don't know. Mixed oh, culture. You don't listen when I'm it's listening. But it's hard to repeat things. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, they love the beers from France and Belgium and then uh, old world ales that really aren't around anymore. So they're kind of trying to bring that back. Um, actually, their name Propolis is really cool, too. It actually comes from two Greek words, pro, mm. meaning before, and polis, which means city. Uh, and it is a word for the like sap or like stuff on a like a cypress tree that bees collect to like make the entrance to their hives smaller. Oh, interesting. Yes, yeah, so it's a weird like bee building block thing. It's kind of wild. But anyways, uh, they're out of Washington, like I said, and they use uh, 100% certified organic um, barleys and wheats and malts all used, uh, used, grown right. and manufactured in that area. And the cool thing about the spot is they do most of their beers, uh, their runs of beers are 20 cases or less. Oh, wow. And the brewer's uh, cap, cork, because it came with a cork. Cap and cork, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and wax all their beers and all by hand, just the same people that make it. Really, really small, small outfit. So I'm yeah, pretty what, stoked for this one. Did you say the ABV on this yet? Not yet. What you got? What? Oh, hey, ho, seven percent. Got it. And I, so I wrote down golden saison. Is that is that in in keeping with what you have? Uh, yeah. The description on the bottle is uh, saison brewed with lemon balm. Gotcha. But uh, the description on their website actually does say golden cool. saison. I don't know the difference, but. You know, again, one's saisons. more golden, man. Sure. Um, this is. Have you had this before today? Never had this beer. Great. So uh, we're drinking it out of a uh, a 750 milliliter bottle. Yeah, and to be fair, this is a, a gift. Yes. Uh, if you give us beer, we'll probably drink it on the show. There's a good chance. It's not rocket science. Yeah. Uh, this is from Jared Schmidt because he just loves giving us beer. Is that two weeks in a row, or yeah. is it? He gave us week? all the beers from Nashville. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that was and, that was a while back. Or it feels like, well, I don't know, my timeline's almost up because of the, uh, the pre-recording. You live in your crazy musician lifestyle, man. That's all I know. Uh, this was made in 2015. Oh, nice, man. Yep. This has been in a bottle since 2016, roughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to read you some of the tasting notes on this bad boy. Sure. You're going to get a nose of citrus, uh, clover, and hay. Butterscotch and golden hue with a soft, creamy mouthfeel and earthy minerality. Uh, you're going to get tastes of biscuit, honey-glazed baguette, white pepper, light mint, floral bitterness, pomelo, and honey. It's crisp with a refreshingly dry finish. Uh, this ale was brewed with propolis microbes and aged over two years before it was bottled. Wow. And they have a list of food pairing on their menu, sure, too. That's sure. pretty cool. They say recom- they recommend you pair this with roasted eggplant. I love you just said they have it on their menu. I think you meant website. <laughs> they have it on their menu. They have a menu of food. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right. I just saw food and said menu. Sure, menu. I got excited, man. I'm hungry. Uh, roasted lemon pepper chicken, stuffed wow. zucchini. Yeah, oh, roast, that'd be great. Roasted eggplant or a baguette topped with gouda. Mm. Lastly, baked halibut. This is a great beer. Yeah? No, it's it's very well done. Again, we've talked about saisons on this show and how you and I are not, it's not the first style we reach for, but... Um, if they're not a straightforward saison, like we've had hoppy, ha- uh, hoppy saison, help me, hoppy saisons, <laughs> and we've also done some tart saisons. Correct, they're both um, very enjoyable. And I think the uh, the lemony citrusy qualities of this really help, um, not overpower, but 
pair maybe nicely with the qualities of a Saison that I don't typically love. Oh, this is damn good. It's very good. Oh, yeah. And between the very thought out description on their website and the double packaging with the cork and the cap, I feel like this might be a pretty expensive beer. It's one fact that I did not know. Is there a price there? Oh, I can't quite see it. Give me a tilt. That can't be right. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. That doesn't seem right. It was on me. sale. For $2.99? Yeah, maybe it was moving slow. Whoa. I mean, that's... I, this seems like a $15, $20 beer to me. Yeah, for sure. This is, I mean, this is really good. Yeah, that was the sale price. I don't know what the original price was, but no, this beer is tremendous. Yeah. I love the color of it. Yeah. I love, it's almost creamy. Yeah. The only thing I have a hard time identifying um, is like they said white pepper and I don't, that's not something I ever would have come up with on my own, Mm-mm. nor do I really pull it out of, I don't even know what white pepper tastes like. Oh, really? Yeah. It's really good. Is it is it similar to black pepper? Yeah, but way more intense uh, and way more concentrated. Mm. Like um, when I make it's, uh, I do this kind of egg flour soup type situation, and in order to season a whole batch of soup with uh, white pepper, mm-hmm. you're supposed to get about a half an inch of a chopstick wet, dip oh. it in white pepper, and then stir that's your it? soup with, it. and that's it. Interesting. It is a very pungent uh, and hot. Yeah. Okay. So it's just like uber pepper. So do you get any of that out of this beer? Not really. Yeah. Uh, that'd be uh, my I, my palate would be so hard pressed to pick that out of right, sure. all the things happening in this beer just did, because it's so pungently like lemony, citrusy mm-hmm. forward. Did they mention clove? Did you say that? I don't think so. They said clove or, or something similar, and maybe like the first line of the aroma. Clover um, and hay. Clover. That's and it. Yeah. Hay. Okay. Yeah, like there's there's some earthiness here, but way predominantly it's lemony. Some like citrus other than that, but it's mostly lemon. Yeah, and like you think this beer is going to be more sour, but yeah. then it, it has this upfront like little tease of tartness, mm-hmm. but then it rounds out just, and just makes your mouth water yeah. and then finishes like not not as dry as I think they not said as it. Dry. Like, but but still not not super horribly tart or anything. Yeah. Uh, no. This is this is good, man. I like it quite a bit. Yeah, Jared. Yeah, good work, Jared. Good Thank work. you. Thank you very much. We love you more than other people. Sure. Because you give sure. us beer for the show. Uh, have you had anything from Propolis besides this? I haven't. I've seen their beers like kind of around. Right. Are they in town? Yeah, you can get them in okay. Chico. I've seen them at, at our local liquor stores here. Sure. Um, but they're going to be way more on my radar now because I would 1,000% reach for this beer. And you just quaffed your entire taster. Yeah, I was down to the the bottom half of it. It's um, very nice. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. up there with one of the best saisons we've done on the show. I think so. Um, I almost do kind of pick out some of that mintiness too. Somewhere towards the back end, it's just like a nice, cool, not like a peppermint, but like know. a leaf of mint. Yeah, yeah, no, right. It's just a mint. Yeah, exactly. This is good, man. Yeah, um, this is super impressive. My thing with with giant bottles is always like would this be too much if I drank it or me and another person drank it? I think this is probably a bit much, but maybe it's just my taste of the style. Let's drink it and find out. That's true. Um, there is some element of like palate wrecking that I think is going to happen with, with the tartness that it ends with. Yeah. It's more dry than tart. I think. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It, bitter. It, it evens out to be like a leathery dry dust. Almost like the bitterness. Yeah, I get a finish not unlike what I get with like an Ode Bruin kind of a little like bit. a sour brown sort of ale. But this is so not acidic. I don't know, man. I'm getting like you know when you uh, well, do you ever get like drinking Coke or something like a little bit of coating on your teeth where you like grind them and it feels like they're kind of little mittens. 
Yeah. I don't know. I get, I get that a little bit, which I, I have to assume is some form of acidity. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think for the quantities that we're drinking it and at least up to this point, it's very good. And we'll, uh, over the course of the next, however long we record this, we'll, uh, Maybe revisit it. Yeah, this is uh, what we've gone through roughly half of a 750. Yeah. I just filled up my glass again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we might not finish it. It's definitely a lot of it. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, um, it's a great beer for a share. I really love, yeah, agreed. I really love what Firestone's been doing the last, I think, year and a half where they downgraded their size. Yeah. Instead of doing only 22-ounce bottles, they now have, I think, 12-ounce bottles. Yeah, the little guys. We have a we have a beer that we're saving for our for something yeah uh, it's their dark and stormy it's a rum barrel aged uh strong ale i think yeah the word on the streets in our hood is that you got to age that sucker for a while Correct. for it to be so, maximally delicious i almost grabbed two one to drink fresh and one to kind of you know oh, that would have been notes fun. on that and then compare it a couple years but be a lot cooler if you did right we they're still around there's a pretty new release i think that it's yeah. their th- i want to say their second time putting it out so okay there's probably plenty of it yeah this beer reminds me of that prairie saison that we did. Yeah, wasn't was, that a lemongrass saison? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. The ones that come to mind, we did Ground Loop. Uh, yeah, from somebody that I can't remember. Uh huh. And then yeah, we did the one that you're referring to, and I think there was one more. And then this, as far as saisons in the yeah. past, the past I don't know. Six well, months. what's the next style that we don't really like that we need to bust wide open? Well, I don't know about not liking, but as far as styles we don't do too often on the show, like we haven't done a barley wine in a while. Um, mm. I don't know that we've done too many porters. I know we've done like one, um, or maybe like a good Pilsner. That would be fun to explore. We could do a Pilsner episode. Mm-hmm. That'd, that'd be, be really fun. That'd be a blast. Yeah. I always like to do something hoppy and something dark, but yeah, you know, it's our show. We can kind of, yeah, totally but I could, drink. yeah, right. Oh, can I talk about a Pilsner? Yeah, please. I'm going to talk about a Pilsner. Let's actually real yeah. quick. Can we rate this first? Yep. And so then I have to tell you about a crazy Pilsner. I'm going to give Melissa from Propolis Brewing out of Port Townsend, Washington. I'm going to give it an eight. This is very good. My problems come from probably oversaturating my palate if I drank more or if I drank the suggested uh, amount. <laughs> the if, serving if, size. You know, if that's what this suggests, if a full bottle's like, hey, here's one. You know, how um, many alcohols? It's a little bit too much. I would love um, a one little alcohol. bit more. Yeah, like uh, I would, I would just love a little bit uh, less of a bite at the end. But maybe that's just me critiquing the style and it's my own palate not enjoying quite this tart finish. Yeah. Um, so all in all, very, very solid Saison. I think the lemon balm portion of this really jumps out. Okay. Uh, it's very tasty and I love the presentation and mm-hmm. the preparedness they had on their website for us to really dig into what we'd be experiencing. Oh, their website was killer. Great. There was this cool flow chart of, uh, flavors you can anticipate mm-hmm. and it was circular. It's on the back of the bottle. Oh, it's so they even cool. Include it. Dude, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen on a beer. Yeah, it's a, it's sort of a uh, like a not a scatter plot, not even close to that. But there's like what do you think, twelve descriptors around the outsides of the circle, something like that. I and then like. it pulls points and fills in sort of a uh, a solid shape of what you're going to be experiencing flavor wise. Very four, helpful. There's fourteen, fourteen, there's fourteen okay. pie pieces. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So this is going to be earthy and citrusy and bready. Sure. Yeah, I think that's all right. Equal parts bitter, sharp body, and lingering fruit ester. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I would get from that little chart. Yeah. Also, like as far as labeling goes, I'm I'm a big fan of minimalism. So this has one little tiny label on the front, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know like a normal label on back. But the presentation is very good on this. It's pretty classy. And they say that you eat and drink with your eyes first. And if that's the case, and there's a I'm bee, t- and there's a bee. Sure. This is great. Yeah. Uh, what are you out of ten? I'm gonna give this beer a nine. All right. Yeah, I really, really like it. It's one of the better saisons I've ever had. Mm-hmm. So I can't d- 
degrade that. I mean, it's it's got to get an awesome ranking. Right. Do you yeah. know where Jared got this? I believe he got it at a liquor store maybe in Yuba City. Okay, sure. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, that's like $2.99 is crazy. That's a markdown price. It's probably- But like some, how much could it be marked down? Uh, a lot. Like 90%? If, if, if they're just getting rid of stock, yeah. I mean, and a lot of times you'll see stores that are also like grocery stores right. do stuff like that because they have more margin room to work with. Right. So. I don't know, man. That's crazy. That's I w- Easily, this could have been a $20 beer. I want to say that like at other liquor stores, full price, I've seen these beers anywhere from 15 to 25. Sure. Excuse me. Well, hey, oh. Whoa. That was a good one. This beer's alive. Yeah. That I, that beer assaulted me. Yeah, we took precaution when opening, just yeah. for what it's worth. There was the cork inside, which is like a pretty good indicator that it might be pretty active. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, so, I mean, this beer would be worth 15, 20 yeah. bucks. Oh, easily. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and this is a Saison that I would definitely reach for again. Agreed. And I love all of the flavors. I think it's only not perfect because if it was 20% less tart... Yeah. I would enjoy it more if just it was just yeah. just a little bit less edge, just because I'm I'm prone to heartburn, and that's purely personal preference. Yeah, I think most people that like this style would really enjoy this beer and should gravitate towards it. And I highly recommend picking one up. And one last time, that's Melissa from Propolis Brewing. Find it if you can, because it's worth your time. Find it at Jared Schmidt's house. Yeah, right. He just stocks his them address. <laughs> it, no, okay, so jumping back to the sisters, brothers. Spoiler alerts and Spoiler alerts. foul language abound. Um, again, if if you've never heard the show, we recommend going to see this movie, pausing this podcast before you do, and then coming back, listening to the rest, and then uh, letting us know what you think by getting at us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. I have to tell you about a crazy pilsner first. You do. I'm so sorry. Just, no, I forgot. So yes, it's fine. We both did. Um, was it Single Fresh? Mm-hmm. And Trumer was there. Great pilsner. And they're dry hopping the crap out of their pilsner now and oh, releasing really? it. I had like a double dry hopped. I think it was double. It might have just either way. Right. Um, they did a mosaic one, and then they did an experimental dry hopping mm-hmm. with like super crazy fruit and tropical notes. And I love Trumer as a base beer. It's a great beer. And the direction they're going with dry hopping it, two big thumbs up from me. Nice man. I uh, guess they're opening yeah. another tap room uh, in the Bay Area somewhere, and they're going to be increasing their production quite a bit, really? according to their rep. Um, so there's a really, really good chance that we'll be seeing some of those dry hop editions of Trumer Pilsner in this area, uh, in keg form sometime within the next year. I think that's great. If, if you've never had Trumer Pilsner, now's the time to plug the handlebar again because they always have it on tap. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of the best Pilsners made in America that I've ever had. Oh yeah. It's a brewery out of what? Oakland? I think Berkeley. Berkeley. That does a German style beer amazingly well and yes yeah. one of the hardest beer styles to make yeah i mean there's nothing like there's nothing there there's nothing to mask you can't hide behind you just it. have to yep. yeah german purity law etc you can't add more hops to this to hide behind it you can't right. add well, more malt yeah except you until know. you do yeah you add mosaic. and then you accentuate it yeah okay well i'm gonna be on the lookout for that that sounds awesome for sure cool Anyways, jumping back in, let's talk uh, final summaries and some spoilers and the real brass tacks, what we thought of the Sisters Brothers. Yeah, so my, my big thing was like, you have you have this whole time, like obviously Joaquin Phoenix does the stupid thing where he he's like, the gold's disappearing. We're at the point in the movie where- Oh, we're jumping right all the way to the end. That's I'm going to talk about my biggest problem. Okay. So that's where I'm going. Well, let's just clarify where that problem is located in the movie. Right. So this is, this is probably towards the- uh, Towards the end. This is like the third to last scene, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. 
Well, there's like the whole sequence of them like running from people, and then they like, oh, go yeah, to the yeah. So I think it's closer to like the beginning of the third act. Okay. Um, there's this solution that uh, that Hermit Kerman Warm mm-hmm. has made to like sort of uh, he calls it a divining solution to show the gold in the river in California. What do you think that stuff was? I think it's fake. Yeah. I think if that were a thing, we would have read about it in the history books and it's not. And they wanted it for a narrative device. In Interesting. Film. Which is even, yeah, even more so because it's like they're building this whole movie around it. They put it in the river. It's been very clear to us at this point. That like if you touch this stuff, you're going to melt your skin. Burn you. Yeah. So the gold's disappearing. Joaquin Phoenix, probably being drunk at this scene, um, is like, oh no, it's wearing off. We need to put literally all of this stuff that is very toxic and needs to be diluted. Can I add a couple things yes, first? Please. Uh, let's set the stage a little. They've built a small dam and have created a very vast pool of water yes. out of a wide river yeah. in order to extract some gold. And also you have all four of our main characters in the water at this time. Correct. And they have already used- Except this- John C. Riley, he's out. Except, okay, well, I'm just saying in general. But yeah. Because at the start of this scene, they very clearly used some of that stuff in a very small amount it's obvious that it's super concentrated. Yeah. They poured a little bit in and they're still like, ow, it's hot, ow, mm-hmm. ow. Mm-hmm. Okay. John C. Riley gets out. Yes. Continue. So then Joaquin Phoenix takes like the entire jug and is like, ah, oh, the gold is disappearing. We got to pour it all into the river for some reason. So he does that. And then um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed's characters try to go and stop him. And he like drops the tanker and it spills all over him, spills into the water. And then they all fall in. And they all rush over and they're like in it now. So then they get burned really badly. Oh, it's rough. To the point where uh, later Jake Gyllenhaal's character kills himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riz Ahmed dies of his burns. Yeah. And, and, and Joaquin Phoenix ends up losing his arm. Mm-hmm. Which in the grand scheme of things compared to two very innocent people's deaths is nothing. Yeah. So like it's it's all been building up to this moment where his initial plan was to kill uh, Hermit Kermit Orm. That was I keep what, wanting to call him Kermit. I know it's really hard not to. Can we just call him Kermit? No. Okay. And and then they, they change. He's like, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna kill you. We're gonna get some gold. We'll take half of it, as you say, because it's your thing. And then we'll go on our merry way, and we'll be out of the game for good. That was John C. Riley's plan. Joaquin Phoenix, not so much, but that doesn't matter because he loses an arm and he can't shoot anymore. The whole thing is. It's like these two people, two people being the brothers that are like given this opportunity to do something good with their lives without harming people. And they end up killing two very innocent people. <laughs> and it's like, that's that's the antithesis of the redemption arc that I was hoping for. Yeah. It's like the whole time throughout this movie, it's been implied that like maybe one day they can get out of this. Maybe they can stop killing people. And it's like, oh, nope, they can't. At least we know now that like, He's never going to find redemption. And then the end of the movie is like, they go back to their mom's house. Yeah. And it's like, welcome home guys. You can be safe here. And it ends like really happy. And it's just so weird to me from the perspective of Joaquin Phoenix being the main character. Yeah. Now that's not the perspective. still different, but losing an arm is not enough to pay back the thousands of people. Presumably you have murdered. No. Um, So that, I mean, that was tough for me. I I had a really hard time uh, coming to grips with, that being the way this movie ended. Yeah. But if you kind of shift the lens into the focus of this movie being about John C. Riley, mm-hmm. that really fits into the narrative of him always having to take care of Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He screws up yet again, and he's having to literally carry him out of a situation that he's gotten himself into, takes him to the doctor. He even has to have a gunfight to keep them both alive. Because, Several gunfights. Yeah. Well, no. Remember when Joaquin Phoenix just had his arm amputated? 
Oh, he yeah, yeah, had yeah, yeah. to yeah. kill off a bunch of dudes that were after him to protect his brother. Um, so it, it definitely played into that him being the caretaker and much more simple. Like he's kind of a simple dude, you know what I mean? But being the simple, responsible, he just wants a normal life. Like it's kind of played at through the whole film that he wants normalcy. You know, yeah, he it, has this habit of the blanket and he talks about what he's going to do after. He just wants to open a mm-hmm. store. It's also made clear that like he's kind of only in this life because he was trying to protect his brother. Exactly. Like he never wanted to be a bounty hunter. Yeah. But his brother's going to get himself killed or drink himself to death. Yeah. So he's like, got to be there to check him. Yeah. And I think it was very symbolic that his brother lost his shooting hand. Yeah, I um, think so too. Just because it was, you know, he, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character didn't want out of this life because he didn't know anything else. In fact, he actually wanted to take over the role of the Commodore. Right. Which I don't know how much we should, or like need to touch on there. No, but that like, was his plan essentially. Yeah. Which was kind of thrown out haphazardly once yeah. they got to San Francisco. Yeah. But, um, the fact that he wanted to stay in the life and John C. Riley wanted to get out, but he also didn't want to abandon his brother. Right. It was kind of like if something didn't happen to force Joaquin Phoenix out of that life, John C. Riley would never have an escape. So the way right. I took it was him losing that arm was the escape that John C. Riley was looking for. Mm. And they ran and outran and outran and and finally seemed to get a little bit of, you know, a few days where no one's tried to kill him. Right. And they finally get that closure of just going home to see mom. And like John C. Riley kind of foresees his future as being somewhat normal. And it's the first time in the movie he can like relax and not be stressed out. Right. Interesting. So I took that as like, you're realizing his grand dreams of him and his brother, not running around killing people right. forever. All right. I like that. My only other big thing was um, like Jake Gyllenhaal's character flip. Cause at one point he's all right, we're going to keep, keep, here we go. Keep Kermit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to keep him here. Send them letters. They're going to show up. Mm-hmm. And then like for the first time ever, he has to like question his job because Warm is like, you know, when they get here, they're going to torture me, right? And he's like, oh, my God, that's never occurred to me. And then yeah. literally overnight, he changes his mind. I think it kind of happened, too, while they were, like, conversing. Well, sure. Like, know? he gets to know him, which is, I think we said this on break, but the, the sacrifice thing that we're going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to watch, and then we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, this idea of looking somebody who you think is your enemy in the eye and, like, having to confront their humanity mm-hmm. is troublesome. But at the same time, like, presumably... Uh, Hall's character, John Morris, has been doing this for quite some time. Yeah. And like, all right, this one time, this guy, who is very likable, by the way. Worm is a uh, very likable, personable, has these grand ideas of a society where we don't kill each other and we're democratic and share things. It's socialism, essentially. You want communism. to start a cult. Yeah. Um, but a cult around the idea that, like, we're not going to kill each other. We're mm-hmm. just going to, you know, help each other out. Exactly. Um, I, I don't know. I think it goes back to this idea of, like, Hall's accent not being fully fleshed out but like his character in general is not i i think jake gyllenhaal is fantastic sure i would have loved more of him mm-hmm. um because he's such a charismatic presence on screen like yeah give me more of that yeah and let me deal with the the backlash of what that must be like to go through you know essentially flipping sides and abandoning your job and your employer which are similar yeah um <laughs> um but instead we get like this kind of quick montage of like the sun setting and then rising and he's just like not slept. And he's like, all right, your handcuffs are off. Let's go. Yeah. I, I don't know. I would have liked more of that. It was a bit abrupt. Yeah. I didn't get into it at all. Yeah. There were some cool edits in this movie, like that one, mm-hmm. like, especially in the, the last scene when they get to their mom's house. Yeah. Like you get a shot, you, the camera pans into a room and they're like in a bathtub and then it pans out of the room and like they're 
in a different spot. Yeah, and it's a continuous shot with exactly. the camera yeah. where so the that, characters are popping in and out. Cool. Yeah. I, I liked that. It was that a fun was trick. neat. It was part of the uh, the aesthetic and certainly some of those like riding shots would sequence between uh, you know different landscapes. Like the horse would be close to the camera and like block it for a second, then it would ride away in a different mountain. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. I again comes back to like the enjoying the visuals of this movie. Yeah, there was definitely some fun tricks and some some great camera work. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah I liked it, man. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's kind of what I have written down. Those are the things that I wanted to touch on as far as uh, spoilers go, I think. Yeah. Do you have anything else? I think that's about it, man. I think we're there. Cool. Well, this is the Sisters Brothers again. Uh, we've been talking about beers from Propolis Brewing. That's right. And from Epic Brewing. That's right. And I think... I have literally nothing else to add. All right, Max, where can they find us? Sure. Uh, well, you can find us on all social medias at Fresh Hop Cinema. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. For the most part, I run the Facebook. Johnny runs the Instagram. We both do the Twitter. You can email us at fhccast at gmail.com if you have anything to say about any of the stuff we've covered in this episode or any episode. Uh, and as always, we'll be back in your feed next Monday with a new episode. So please do subscribe. If you'd like to rate or review us on iTunes, that helps other people find our podcast. And that's always much appreciated. That's right. So don't forget, come party with us November 17th at Secret Trail. And go see Max on November 11th. Yeah. Sunday also afternoon. Also at Secret Trail. And also then if that Trail. goes well, maybe on the 17th as well. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, mark the 17th in your calendars. We have a special surprise that day. Until then, thanks for listening. That's right. I'm Johnny. I'm Max. Bye. This is Fresh Hot Cinema.